Welcome to today's episode of Empowered, a perfectionist guide to imperfection, hosted by me, Miranda Lee. It's time to take back control of our lives, and it's time to write our own story. Remember, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Let's dive in. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to another episode. So excited to have you here. So today, we are going to be talking about overcoming perfectionism, and I talk with Kristen Clark, who is a fellow Jesus lover and the co-founder of the Girl Defined Ministries and the co-host of the podcast, Girl Defined Show. I can't wait to talk to her, so let's get started. Hi, Kristen. Thank you so much for joining me today for my podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. This is a treat for me, too. I'm just so excited to pick your brain and just talk about just overcoming perfectionism. So I'm just Mm -hmm. curious, how have you struggled with perfectionism throughout your life? Yeah. Perfectionism, you know, it's such a loaded word, right? Because it can mean so many things to different people. And I think I always viewed perfectionism as a really positive thing. Like, oh, cause I, I am, I would label myself as someone who strives for perfection, you know, whatever that means. And, but just like, I want to do it right. I want to do it excellently. I want it to be perfect just the way I want it to be, whether it was, um, like even in my home, the way I wanted it to look when people came over, um, anything through girl to find like a book or a conference, like I want everything to be perfect and run perfect. And I want all the transitions to be perfectly smooth and, you know, down to just in my own room or house, like how we organize things, um, relationships. Like I started seeing this pattern of it has to be just the way I want it to be. And the more I dug deeper, I realized, you know, yes, I might label myself type a very driven, very passionate, um, want things to be perfect. But underneath, I think what I started seeing is really what I was after was control. I wanted to be in control and I wanted everything to be the way I thought it should be. Um, and it was more for me to feel like I had control and for me to receive the praise of others for them to say, wow, good job. Well done. So I know I'm probably getting in way too deep, way too soon, but yeah, I've struggled with it in all shapes and forms. And in many ways it has been very crippling in my life. Um, but Christ has helped me to see some of the lies I believed and helped me to, to pursue his truth instead. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with. But I also think this is something that um, you kind of talk about in your Girl Defined ministry. So for those who don't know exactly what to do, can you like tell them of who you are and what you do? Yeah, well, Girl Defined was started, I don't know how many years ago now, five, six years ago, my sister Bethany and I founded it together. And really our passion is in our name, Girl Defined, helping girls to be defined by God, girls defined by God's word, um, whether it's our identity, beauty, our purpose, what success means, our sexuality, our relationships, rather than looking to society, you know, and society has a lot of answers, right? From Hollywood to Nashville, to the magazines, books, um, are just social media now, which is so huge. We didn't grow up on social media. So this is a whole nother beast. That's a blessing and a curse. I think at the same time, um, and every, there's so many messages trying to define what it means to be a woman, what it means to be female. And if we buy into those lies, then we go down all the wrong paths that God doesn't, that's not what he wants for us. And so our passion is to help young women and women everywhere understand that they are made intentionally on purpose. God loves them. He has a good plan for their femininity. I mean, he wants us to honor him and embracing it rightly. And he has a beautiful design. So everything we do from our YouTube channel, our podcast, our resources, our conference, it's all aimed at helping all of us strive forward in becoming girls defined by God. 
Yeah, I, I love that. And as everyone, um, all of our listeners know that we already had um, an inter- a podcast interview with your sister, Bethany. Yes. And we, and we talked about, you know, purpose and identity. And, you know, that's such an important topic. But just talking about the importance of overcoming perfectionism, especially as Christians and Christian women, um, yeah. is just such a big topic that we just we need to talk about. So mm-hmm. why is perfectionism just not the ideal way to live our lives, especially as Christian women? Yeah. Well, we have to kind of back up a little bit and take it out of the, I think the positive realm, because like I said earlier, we think perfectionism, oh, it just means that I work hard and I want things to be done really, really well. And that's kind of what I believe too. And then I started seeing this heart of wanting things to be perfect, wanting even me to be perfect. And I noticed this when I was younger, especially in my outward appearance, I felt like I had to look perfect. And this just wasn't, this wasn't coming from nowhere. I mean, this was coming from my heart and the lie that I was believing was that I would be more worthy. I would be more accepted. I would be more loved. I would receive more praise and approval from others if I looked a certain way and they gave me that affirmation. And so that led me on a journey of pursuing modeling for a year of trying to look my best. I mean, I saw this come out when I was even little, little, like eight, nine, 10, I thought being perfect was my hair looking a certain way. And it was me brushing it into a super, super tight ponytail. I'm talking like so tight, like airtight. <laughs> and I would then after securing it in a super tight ponytail, I would pull the ponytail to make it even tighter. Then I would brush it. And then I would douse my head down with hairspray. And so my head literally turned into like a helmet. So my family jokingly called me helmet head. But in my mind, this was me getting rid of every flyaway, every fuzz, like every loose hair. And to me, that was, that looked really good in my little eight, nine, 10 year old brain. And I wanted it to be perfect. And I would obsess about this. And my mom would even say, Kristen, no, like, come on, just do a braid or do something simple. Like, you don't need to do the helmet head look. And I would say, no, 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 I have to have it this way. And that was me, you know, thinking this is what I think is perfect and I have to have it. And as I got older, like I said, I saw that translated translate into my outward appearance. Um, as I started having fun with makeup and just clothes and fashion, I realized, wow, I am buying this lie that I have to look perfect. I have to look the way the world says a woman should look the world standard of beauty in order to be valuable in order to have, um, security and confidence as a woman. And God really opened my eyes to see that I was chasing after an idol that looking perfect had become an idol in my own heart. And I was chasing after that so hard. I was the center of my focus of my worship. I wasn't worshiping God. I wasn't looking at how I could serve others. When I was with them, I was thinking, what are they thinking about me? I mean, that was my whole focus. What do they think I'm pretty? Do they accept me? Do they approve of me? What are their thoughts about me? And it was just so self-focused, so self-consumed. And God really took me on a journey of helping me understand what true beauty is according to his word, that it's the character of our heart heart. Um, yes, God created us as women and he did make us beautiful in his image. Um, but the world standard of what beauty is, is so different than, um, than what God says. So yeah, God really did a work in my heart and helped me see that he values the inner person, the character, um, our love for him, worshiping him, serving and loving others. And so that's one way that I saw perfectionism really, um, I guess, become an idol and, and take me down the wrong paths. And I became trapped. I became so insecure. And it wasn't until I really surrendered that idol and turned to God and said, God, help me to worship you first and foremost. I I'm worshiping myself. I am striving after perfectionism in my appearance. And that's not your good plan for me. So help me to serve others with my body, to use this body you gave me as a way to glorify you through the way I love and serve others and the way that I worship you in what I do. And that changed everything for me. 
That's so true. And I think that's something that so many of us struggle with. Like we're so just obsessed with our outward appearance. And I think we just need to remember that, you know, our body's a vessel to hold these amazing gifts in the soul that, that God gave us to fulfill um, our purpose for him, like on this earth, but then to turn around and just literally obsess about like all the visuals, like that's like such, that's so irrelevant to like why God put us on the earth and we're like focusing on Mm -hmm. the wrong thing. And I think that's why there's like a healthy balance of, you know, health and fitness. And then like, I think your motivation has to, has to do with it because our body Mm -hmm. is a temple. And if we take care of it, we can, you know, live longer and be able to have that influence on others and spread God's word. God doesn't want us just to be down here and, you know, just be slobs and, you know, right. not, <laughs> not, not take care of ourselves, but to obsess over yes. our looks and our weight and all these things that aren't relevant to spreading God's word. It's not our mm-hmm. purpose. Right. Totally. There is such a balance there. And it's, it's when that thing, even good gifts, right. Good gifts like marriage or, um, even yeah, our physical bodies are a gift from the Lord. Um, a good gift, like being in a a romantic relationship with a godly guy or having kids one day, um, you know, getting a landing, a really good job. Like these are really good gifts, but it's when the gift becomes the central focus, right. When we obsess and make that our idol rather than worshiping God. So our bodies, our beauty, seeking others approval that becomes the central focus rather than saying, Oh, thank you, God, for this body you gave me. It's a gift. Help me to steward it well, to take care of it for your glory so that I can use this body, um, to serve and love others. And I can be healthy at at the same time. Right. So do you think that like your perfectionism, um, like hits every aspect of your life, like not just your outer, Mm -hmm. um, appearance and stuff, but also, I don't know, like the way you, like maybe run your business or your relationships or your friendships has perfectionism impacted those aspects as well? (laughs) Uh, yes, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) I wish it did it. Yeah, it does. And I think is that the underneath, like I said earlier, I think the underlying issue isn't just that I want things done well, but it's that I want things done my way. And so really pride, I think is a huge underlying current that comes out as perfectionism, but at the core, it's really our prideful heart saying, I want things done my way on my time. And if it doesn't look exactly the way I said it, it needs to look or the way it needs to be done, then I'm going to be mad. Right. And it's this focus of I'm at the center of whatever this project is, whatever I'm doing. And I've seen that, um, in my marriage in the ways that I think our marriage should be what I want to see from my husband or the way things are done in our home. I've seen my, this drive of, it has to be done my way. Um, just very selfishly, truly, I've seen that come out. And my husband has been so gracious and loving to be patient with me and to say, Hey, um, let's talk about this. You know, he's been awesome, but I've seen it come out in girl defined too. I remember one example I can think of, and it was, it had to do with the cover of one of our books. So the cover of a book is a very interesting thing because our publisher works with us on the design and they ask us, Hey, what colors do you like? What colors do you not like? What designs do you like? What designs do you not like? Do you want pictures? Do you want graphics? Blah, blah, blah. And then we tell them, here's kind of what we hope for. And then they go away and design a few options and then present it to us. Now the cover of our book is a huge deal, right? It's like, you've been working on this book for months and months and months, pouring your heart and soul into this book. And now everything you've written is going to be reflected in the cover. So it's a big deal. And most authors would agree like, yes, it's a huge deal. You want to really love your cover. So we got one of the designs back and Bethany and I 
could not agree on the cover design. So she really liked one thing. I really liked the other and we could not see eye to eye. And we honestly were really frustrated at each other. And here we are trying to write this book to help young women to glorify God. And we're like arguing and getting angry at each other about this cover. And I remember thinking like, how, how does she not see things my way? Like my way is so right. This is obviously the best design. This is perfect. What she wants isn't. And it was pride truly in my heart. You know, pride is the opposite of humility. Christ was the ultimate example of humility. And that's what he calls us as his children, as his followers to strive after, to exemplify is that humility of Christ. I had no humility. It was all pride. It was all my way or the highway. And, you know, God through that, I think really opened my eyes to see how my perfectionism coming out in my pride um, becomes really demanding on other people. And I become the central focus of, you know, it's all about me and I need to be happy in the end. And I don't really care what you think. And that attitude is one I think we can all relate to at times, whether you view yourself as a perfectionist or not. Um, But through that, that scenario, God really humbled me, I think, and helped me to see how prideful I really was being. And in the end, Bethany and I were able to come around and agree on a cover and, you know, move forward. I can't even remember which book book it was at this point, but that was just one example of me seeing that even in ministry, right? Trying to do a good thing. And I'm seeing my ugly pride come out in perfectionism. And yeah, it was just really, really selfish of me. I think that's something that we all have to remember that it's a daily battle and a a daily struggle. It's not like you're just going to overcome perfectionism and, you know, for, Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys have an amazing platform an amazing podcast and, you know, you're amazing, godly women. And it's still something that you and your sister both struggle with on a Mm day-to-day basis. And it's something we need to remember. I think as perfectionism, as perfectionists, we think that we can be perfectly imperfect when we're trying to not be perfectionist but it's like it's really counterintuitive when it's like no it's you don't need to be perfectly imperfect and yes just yes, the whole, whole cycle it is. it is and it we struggle to see our need for god as much i think those of us who are like more type a get her done you know i've got the vision it's going to happen this way and we want everything to be perfect i think sometimes we forget how imperfect we truly are and how broken we are in our hearts and how much we truly need christ um and that pride can keep us from seeking him in humility saying lord help me in this, help me to love this other person, help me to love my sister, help me to be genuine in my heart. As I go about this task, help me to not seek the approval of others as I'm doing this thing, but to do it for your glory and just surrender the outcome to you. It doesn't mean we don't work hard. It doesn't mean we just say wherever the chips fall, they fall. Like, no, we are intentional. We make plans. We work hard, just like you running this podcast, right? It takes forethought, planning, outlining, scheduling. You have to show up. You want it to be done well, but at the same time, where's your motivation, right? Where's my motivation? Why am I doing this? Is it just to put out something perfect that people will praise and say, oh, look at you. Good job. Or am I genuinely doing it to love others and to serve God? So yeah, so you're right. It all goes back to our heart's motivation and recognizing how truly imperfect we are and how much we need Christ every single day. And like you said before, the whole perfectionism, it's more like what you think is perfect and like what what we think is perfect, not what we think God would think is Mm -hmm. perfect. So is it even perfect if it's based off of our wants and needs and desires it's not <laughs> I, we shouldn't even call it like perfectionism we just right call it like con- controlism yes. or something like that because yeah. we just want to be in control that that's all 100 percent. yes and like you said we need to strive more for humility um mm-hmm. I 
I just love the topic of humility. Um, I read it in my grad uh, book about humility in my grad program by his last name was was Murray and it was just all about oh, yes have you read it it's so good no I have it and I I clearly need to read it ASAP. It's so it's so small it's just short it's a short read but it was so good and it's just I never understood the importance of humility until I read that book and I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people view the term humility as like weakness mm-hmm. and Jesus was never seen as, as weak. Not, not at all. He was the true example of, of humble and and humility. And I don't think, I think when we, when we go to describe Jesus and God, I don't think like, even though he is perfect, I don't think that's a term we'd use to describe him. Mm. And if we were made in God's image, why do we strive for perfection when perfection isn't the goal and that's not the goal yeah. of God like God knows our heart and our intentions yeah yeah I wonder if sometimes it's us as women especially like trying to strive for perfectionism because we it it gives us a sense of control and that sense of control we cling to because we want to feel secure we want to feel safe we want to feel like our little world is working the way we want it to work right because when things are out of our control or aren't going the way we want then we we feel a little bit lost and like oh no we need to gather the pieces and make this work and i think that also goes back to that heart of not relying on christ not seeking him fully for our safety our security um, our purpose, our confidence. Um, I, I see such a clear difference in my projects, in my marriage, um, in my daily life, when I am confident in the Lord and I'm trusting him with the outcome and I'm motivated by a desire to glorify him, then that desire for control, it really goes away because I'm surrendered. I'm resting in Christ. I'm trusting in him. And so I don't need to be fully in control because I know he is, and I can trust that the outcome is going to be exactly what he wants. And isn't it weird that we like are so limit, like we just limit ourselves so much by striving for perfectionism. And like, we probably know like 0.0000, like 1% of this world, like, is what <laughs> yes. we know. and God knows obviously a hundred percent of everything and the past, future, present. And, and yet we think that our way is probably better than, than God's path for us. And he knows like a bajillion times more than yes. we could ever know. It's just so limiting to, to just limit yourself to what you know. Right. And to think, oh yeah, this is the best. <laughs> like when we think that our, our ideas, our ways, our thoughts, our plans are the best. You're right. We are, we're limiting ourselves to a tiny blip on the screen of all of eternity when God is so much greater, so much grander. I saw this play out so clearly in Zach, my husband, Zach's and my journey of just struggling to have kids and struggling to get pregnant, struggling to carry a pregnancy full term. We had three miscarriages, 10 years of infertility and no answers from doctors. Everything looks great. You look healthy, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, okay, but something's not working. And that journey that God took me on was truly one of the hardest of my entire life. I'm still on that journey. We still don't have answers to this day. Um, but God really showed me how much, like how controlling I was being. And it was an area of my life that no matter how hard I tried, no matter what I did, no matter how many doctors I saw, I just, I couldn't make it work the way that I wanted it to. And God really did a work in my heart of helping me see truly how little I know, like you're saying, and, and helping me see that God knows so much more that he has a greater and a grander plan. And yes, it's, it was painful. It was hard. It's still challenging. But as I surrendered that 
control, that need for control, that need to have things be perfectly the way I wanted them to be, the way I always imagined my future getting married, motherhood, the way I always imagined it would work out, surrendering that and saying, God, you know better than me. Yes, this is hard. Give me strength for this journey, but I trust you in this. You know way more than I do. You see the bigger picture of what you're doing here. And at the end of the day, I know you're working all things out for your glory and for my good, for my sanctification. You want to make me more like Christ. You're using this to show me how truly weak and incapable I am really. Um, and so that was one of the best things that God could have done for my heart. Um, and then as you know, we recently adopted. So God took me and my husband on another journey of really opening our eyes to see that he can build families in a lot of different ways. And he led us to the country of Ukraine. We adopted two precious brothers that aren't babies, but are big boys, 10 and six, and they just turned 11 and seven. I never imagined that would be my story, but it's so cool to see how, God works when we trust him, when we surrender, when we realize how really small we are and how really big he is, um, that the story he has for us is sometimes so much better, I think, than the one we even imagined for ourselves. Exactly. Because if we would have just had our life exactly how we imagined it, yeah. there's so many like amazing gifts that we wouldn't be given and that we wouldn't have the ability to experience because God just has such greater plans and like hearing your story and like your struggles like it's literally like the definition of humility is what mm. you what you had to face and and just how you had to accept it and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy like a lot of people think that oh like putting your trust in God means that it's just going to be so simple and it's still going to be hard and heavy on your heart but I think just knowing like knowing and trusting um in God and in his plan it just it takes like a whole new weight off your shoulders. Like, you know, it's going to work out yeah. and there is that appropriate time to grieve, but, mm -hmm. like, but we have to move on because God's plan is so bigger and greater than the best that we could imagine. Yes. Yes. I kind of picture it as like us as humans looking through a tiny straw, like, you know, a straw, you're drinking your drink and you, if you look through the straw, you can't see very much at all, right? You look around and all you can see is like a tiny circle of, of the world. And so often, I mean, really that's what life is like for us. We look through the straw and all we can see is what's right in front of us. It's a tiny little picture and God sees everything. He sees the beginning from the end. He knew the day we would be born, the day we would die. He has a plan for us. And here we are looking through this tiny straw saying to God, I don't want this. I want it to look different. Change this. You know, my plans are better. And I mean, how foolish are we when we really realize how small we are and how great God is and how much bigger his plans are and recognizing like, yeah, I can't see much of this story at all. And God sees all of it. So it really is to our, it really is to our joy and, and our peace of heart when we surrender and trust God with our stories. That's so true. It's so true. We just need to, you know, give up that control that yeah. we, we crave and we want so bad. So why do you think, I feel like Christian women are, are the ones who really struggle with perfectionism because we're seen as, I don't know, we feel this pressure to be perfect you know, growing up and growing up in the church. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's a lot of factors, but why, do, why do you, in your opinion, do you think, do you think that is? I know I struggled with this as a Christian woman, specifically in 
I think we, we, we get confused and we think that in order to really please God and glorify him, we have to come up with the list of rules in our head of what a good Christian girl, a good Christian woman is. And then we have to follow all of those rules perfectly, right? It's like, okay, rule number one, rule number two. And we don't realize we have this, but it's like a checklist in our brain of all the things that a good Christian girl would and would not do some biblical, maybe some are just preferences that we have, for example, maybe modesty or something that we wear. We think, oh, in order to be a good Christian, I have to wear it like this and I can't wear that, or I'm not going to be a good Christian. And so we make up these lists of rules and then we base our righteousness, our, our level of Christianity based on how well we're following the rules in our head. Right. And the gospel is so much more freeing than that. We in a sense, we kind of dismiss Christ. Like, yeah, I don't really need you. I just need to follow my rules. And that was me for so many years. I am a very black and white person naturally. And so having a list of rules in my brain that I just know, okay, I got to follow these and then I'm going to be a good Christian. That was almost easier than humbling myself and going before the Lord, searching his word and saying, God, who do you call me to be? How do you call me to live? And then out of a heart of humility, seeking God's strength to truly honor him from the inside out every single day. And, you know, that's a lot harder than just, okay, let me get my list of rules and do my thing. So I think as Christian women, we get trapped in that. Um, uh, we might hear opinions from other Christians and think, oh yeah, well, she said that was good to do or not good to do. So I'm going to just, okay, I'm going to do with that. Or we hear another Christian speaker. Okay. I'm going to follow that. And rather than going to the word and really seeking God's truth for ourselves, we just kind of tape on all these different good Christian things. And at the end, then at the end of the day, that's really all we're following. And over time, I think we lose our passion for Christ. We burn out, we grow weary. And I've seen so many young Christian women grow up and just kind of abandon the church altogether, abandon Christ altogether and say, you know what, this has been a burden on my life for way too long. I'm done with this. And it's so sad because I, I see what's happening. It's that all along, they weren't truly following Christ out of that heart of loving God, but it was just following rules. And of course, that's a heavy burden to bear. That's not what Christ wants for us. You know, he died so we could be free from our sins. So we could fight our sins. So he could help us truly pursue him and find satisfaction in our relationship with him, not just following rules. So I know there's a lot more we could dig into in that, but I think that's the trap I know I bought into for so many years. And I still, to this day, if I'm being honest, like it's one that my natural, like my personality tends to gravitate towards. So I have to fight against it and say, God, help me to stay reliant on you. Help me to not just follow what I think is a good Christian girl list of rules, but to truly love you with my heart. Hey guys, quick ad break. As you all know, I'm a health and life coach, and unlike most health coaches, I focus on mental health when it comes to improving your physical health. So I'm here to help you reach your goals, love yourself, and still eat the foods you love. So if you guys are interested, you can have a free discovery call with me. You can click the link in the show notes, or you can click the link in my Instagram bio, which is at this is Miranda Lee. All right, you guys, let's get back to the show. I think ego has a lot to do with it too. I don't mm. think when we want to be, when we want to be the perfect Christian woman, I think we don't want to truly be it for God, but we want to be it for the other people around us, like the yeah. other Christian women in the church. Like we want to be seen as a good Christian. And I know, especially with me growing up, like I grew up in the church. I, you know, we always prayed before dinner. We always prayed before bed. We went to church multiple times a week. And I think in my eyes, it became more of like a routine. And like you said, like a checklist, mm -hmm. like instead of praying before dinner or before bed to have a conversation with God, it was like repeating the same prayers, yes. making sure, sure I hit all these points and doing what 
we're supposed to do instead of having a real relationship. Yes. And I noticed that with my husband too, because um, my, my husband's Christian, but when I met him, he grew up in um, a Mormon family. Um, and um, so that, you know, definitely a lot of rules too. Like when I'd ask him to pray, he would say a prayer that he, that his family or the church would say over and over. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I was like, when we pray together, let's try actually like talking to God. And he was really confused. He was like, what do you mean? Like, we've always said these prayers. I was like, yeah, but you're not having a real conversation wow. with God. And I think a lot of people actually struggle yeah. with that. A lot of people do what they think they're supposed to do as Christians instead of actually forming a deep, intimate relationship with God. Yes. Oh, I can relate to that. Totally. That's so amazing though. I I'm so curious to hear more about your story with your, you and your husband and how you met and his, um, conversion to Christianity. That sounds like an incredible story, but yeah, I, oh man, it goes back to that fear of man, you know, where we are as Christian women in our little Christian circles, communities, churches, Bible studies, whatever, you know, I remember times where I was in a Bible study and I wanted to show up prepared not because I wanted to really learn from the study, right? Like my heart wasn't Lord, teach me, grow me, help me to learn more about you. As I study this, it was like, no, I need to have it done so I can show up prepared so that I can be the girl who's prepared and who does her Bible study. And like thinking back on that, that heart attitude of like, where was my heart? I cared more about their opinions of me in this Bible study than I did about actually studying the word. So I could grow closer to the Lord and know more about him. So you're exactly right as Christians, we do get just, especially if you grew up in the church, which is my story too, grew up in the church, um, you know, parents, loving parents, wonderful. I'm so grateful for the Christian upbringing I had. Don't get me wrong, but it is so easy when it's always been there to just fall into those patterns of like routine. And it's like a checklist and okay. I read my Bible. Okay, good. Moving on. But yeah, when we're reading the word, are we really reading it to grow closer to the Lord, to learn more about him when we pray? Is it actually a conversation or am I just going through the motions of like, okay, do my little prayers. So yeah, it's definitely a heart check and it's, it's humbling to even ask those questions of our heart. And I think as Christ reveals the true condition of our hearts that only he can fully see, um, sometimes it can be pretty ugly. I know mine can for sure. And it's just that heart of humility to say, Lord, change me help me. I remember, um, one time I shared in my small group that I have through church. I said, you know, lately I just haven't even had a desire to read the word. Like I know I should, and I know it's good and I know I need it, but I just don't even have the desire. And someone said, well, have you started praying for the desire? Like praying that God would even give you a desire to read his word. And I was like, I hadn't thought about that. And so I started doing that. I said, Lord, I don't even feel like this, but I know I need this change my heart, give me a desire. And it's amazing as we see God in those good things that he calls us to, he does answer our prayers. He does meet us there. And it did help my heart over time. So yeah, I think it's so important that we're constantly evaluating the condition of our hearts. Yeah. And God, God knows, like, like you said, our condition of our heart and and where our hearts are. And I feel like a lot of us do certain things because we think it's what we're supposed to do. And like, I always say like, God knows our heart, like you, that's why like you can go out and and do good deeds, but are you doing it because it's what you truly feel like God's calling you to do? Or are you doing it so you can be seen as a person who's Mm -hmm. doing good deeds, you know? And, um, like in the whole prayer thing, like prayer is so important. I've been praying for my husband and his relationship with God Mm -hmm. for years, um, 
because it is different to convert like from one faith to, yeah. to a different one and to have that different mindset. And it was definitely um, challenging for me. And I was just talking about it um, with my friend yesterday about the whole being equally yoked. And I didn't know much about that until like recently, mm. like that the Bible said that. And I was telling my friend, Lindsay, I was like, so if I would have known about the whole you know, marry someone who's equally yoked, would I have married Mm -hmm. my husband? And then I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I think we were equally yoked because I was living a life of, you know, perfectionism, doing what I'm supposed to do instead Mm -hmm. of having that true intimate relationship with Christ. And he was in a similar situation as well in, you know, the Mormon community. So I feel like being together, we both challenged each other Um, Hmm. even now he's, he's deployed right now. And he emails me that he's like, yeah, I've been going to church every Sunday, like on the boat and like just seeing him do stuff that is like, I didn't like tell him like, Hey, like go to church. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know there was church on a little submarine. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. (laughs) Wow. I didn't either. That's cool. Yeah. And like, he's been telling me he's been going and it's like, that's something I've been praying for, for years. So just because God doesn't answer your prayers, like right away, doesn't mean Mm -hmm. you should stop. And he, you know, God answers it on his own time. Mm -hmm. And I know that with me praying for my husband to have a strong relationship with God, like it's forced me to have a stronger relationship with God because, (laughs) you know, it's, he would, he would ask me such hard questions, like in the beginning, like, he'd be like, I don't understand why you can't get to heaven doing good deeds. So you say that a bad person who believes that God, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins can go to heaven. And I like, mm-hmm. I didn't have the answer. Like, I was like, I don't wow. know. These are things I was just told in the church. So I believe what I'm told, but do I actually know like yeah. the history behind it and like God's true intention when he, when he wrote that and mm-hmm, why? So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it caused me to do to do more, do more, do more research and grow in my faith. So I can answer those hard questions because it did make me realize that I really just was following the rules and doing, Mm -hmm. you know, what the Bible said, what the church said, but was I truly Mm -hmm. understanding? Yeah. Oh man. That's so true. I think engaging with non-believers or even believers who really challenge us, um, whether yeah, it's in our communities or neighborhoods, like that's something God has been, I think convicting me of more lately is in my own neighborhood. Like how much am I actually reaching out and seeking to love my neighbors and, you know, get outside of myself, right outside of my little bubble of my home and really pray for them and seek a relationship with them and then pray for opportunities to share Christ with them. Um, I love that you were challenged through those conversations with your husband and those type of conversations where we're like, uh, I don't know. I just grew up in the church and this is what I've always been told. And I'm not really sure why I believe this. And I don't even really know in the Bible where it says this, but it just, this is what I believe it's good for us. I think as Christians, we need that. And if we don't, we're not being challenged in any particular way. We need to go to resources that do challenge us, like read really solid, maybe even some challenging Christian books that help us think critically about our faith and about the word. And that really helps us. I think maybe for you, I don't know, like gain more confidence in Christ and his word. Cause we start to see the answers and we start to see the why behind maybe the things that we've already been doing. Yeah, exactly. And actually, you know, reading the Bible instead of just yeah. going, going to church on Sundays, like it's so important to read the Bible. I've always like been in awe of like those people who just like spit out these Bible verses and like mm-hmm. perfect situations. And I'm like, 
I mean, I, you know, have the ones I learned in Sunday school. And now that like, I'm actually reading the Bible, I've been like, you know, referencing things. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm becoming one of those people, my whole life dream. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, oh, Lord, keep me humble. So I don't get prideful in my knowledge. Right. <laughs> I, it really, oh my gosh. It's such like a, a daily yes. chore that we have to do. Yes. I just, you know, humility is so important. Mm-hmm. Humility. Mm-hmm. Um, it all comes back to Yes. <laughs> it really dude it always does it yes Ooh, that's the thing like you to make sure that you know the more I mean the more you know the less you know really because you're finding out the more you know and just trying to humble yes. yourself and it's just people think that the more they they know God the more they read the Bible like the easier it'll be to be mm. a Christian but it's it's not always that like you really do have to humble yourself and you know remember where yeah. you came from and remember why we're living Yes. Like what is our greatest purpose? Like our greater purpose. I think of Colossians. Um, I had it pulled up right here. Cause I really, this is like such a key verse for this whole idea of perfectionism and us as Christian women, just going through the motions, Colossians three, 23 through 24 says, whatever you do, and this is a familiar passage, but it's like, so hits the nail on the head, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Right. So not like, okay, just be lazy. It's like, no, the Bible has a lot to say about laziness, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And that is so true because when we do things to, for the approval of others, for the affirmation of even our Christian friends, Oh, look at her. She's a good Christian girl. Whoa. What, you know, all the praises then really we become slaves to those opinions. We become slaves to the very people around us in our community because we're not doing it for the Lord. We're doing it for their approval. And now that's become our idol, right? It's we're working hard, but for the wrong motivation. So I love that reminder as you work for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And just that greater reminder, like you said, it's, there's so much more to even this life We're we're on this earth for a mission. We're ambassadors for Christ. Right. And so what we do matters, not just for the here and now, but for all of eternity. One day we will all stand before the Lord and give an account for the life that we've lived. Right. It's not like we're just off the hook. Yes. We have, we are redeemed in Christ. We receive salvation through him alone, but we will give an account for the life that we've lived. And so remembering Lord, I'm doing this for something so much more. It's eternity. This isn't even my home. You know, you say in the scriptures, like, this is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm just an ambassador for the gospel. So help me to keep that bigger picture in mind as I'm doing my little daily tasks, you know, my morning routines, as I go to school, go to work, work in ministry in my marriage, my family, help me to remember this bigger picture of working for you. Um, because ultimately my reward is in you in my relationship with Christ and that reward of, um, being with him for all of eternity. I mean, that that's what truly matters. And then just remembering it's Christ that we're serving first and foremost, which really I think empowers us in a biblical sense of the word that even when we're rejected, like for me, even if someone said, you know, I was ugly or like, as I wrestled with my looks or, um, you know, my house wasn't perfectly clean when I had people over, or I wasn't prepared for the Bible study. It's like, that that's not where my true purpose and identity is found. I need to be doing everything with a heart of serving the Lord. And then I'm not in bondage. I'm not a slave to these things, but rather, yes, I mess up. I fail. I don't do them perfectly. I acknowledge that before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to, to work hard for you, to serve you first and foremost. And there's truly so much freedom in that. I was about to say like exactly that there's so much freedom and just yeah. takes so much weight off mm-hmm. of your life when you're everything you do is for serving God and for, you know, for yeah. serving the Lord, because it's so much easier. Like 
yes, God's this amazing almighty person, but it's so much easier to serve one person than try to serve all the billions <laughs> of people in the world in the in the world. So why not just serve the one the one who matters? Yeah, God. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one that we're gonna give an account to at the end of all things, right? It's like we're not gonna be accountable to all these people around us. It's like we're gonna give an account to God. So yeah, why are we not focusing on serving the one true king, the one that really matters? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so much easier too. So I don't <laughs> you yeah. know, just I mean trying to you know serve god's no easy task but it's more easy to right. focus on one one mm-hmm. person you know mm-hmm. jesus his wants and needs versus everyone because you can't please everyone and i know as perfectionists we think it's possible and yeah. it's not then we're just going to be constantly disappointed oh yeah oh because our expectations are so high i know i see this in marriage um, Zach and I just celebrated 10 years last weekend. And so like, Whoa, 10 years of marriage. It went by really fast, but also really slow. And I'm a totally different person than when I got married, just I've grown so much through the challenges and the joys like God has just sanctified me in so many ways. And I know I still have a long way to go, but so often in marriage. And I don't know if you can relate. Like I see, I see my pride. I see my desire for control. I see my desire to even, um, you know, want the approval of my husband more than I'm genuinely doing something to serve and please the Lord. Um, I see my selfishness come out. I'm like, wow, marriage really is a tool for sanctification and joy. I mean, both and, and now having adopted our two boys and just experiencing motherhood, I see that, that, like that longing for control. Like I just want to control everything we do and how it works. And okay. You know, if they're, if they misbehave, like, how do I handle that? Like, I want to handle it just right. And I even see that like self-reliance rather than Christ reliance. I see it coming out in a whole new way. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I thought I really grew in this, but I'm seeing new layers that I didn't see before. And that's the work of every person, right? Until the day we die, we're not ever going to be perfect in the sense that we obey God and serve him flawlessly, but it's just, yeah, God brings about various circumstances and in and out of different seasons to really show us how much we truly need him. Yeah. And like hearing all these new, you know, chapters that you have in in your life and in all of, all of us and all the craziness that, that we go through, it it really shows that like our, our faith and, you know, our relationship with God is kind of like a muscle that we have to train. Mm. So when something new comes in, you know, like adopting (laughs) two kids, it's yes, it's going to be something new that you need to work on, but it's something that you've been practicing in different aspects of your life for all these years. Right. Right. So it's like, Oh, that's painful to see it come out again. But yeah, it's something God has been working and truths that he's helped me to believe versus lies that I was believing. Yeah. I think in some ways that muscle, as you exercise it, yeah, it's hard when you start to see new layers of your sin and your selfishness, but you know, the truth, cause you've been focusing on it. You've been striving after it. You've been seeking the Lord. And so I think he does, I guess there's a spiritual maturity that does happen and it is encouraging to see like, okay, it's not taking me as long to, to learn this, this time. (laughs) Exactly. So what advice would you give to fellow Christians who are also struggling with perfectionism? Oh man. I think the number one thing would just be as the Colossians, Colossians three says, like, who are you truly serving? Whose approval are you truly living for? And to ask yourself that question in, in every area of your life, your relationships, Um, your, if you're in a romantic relationship in your family relationships, what you do at church and why you do it, why are you volunteering at church? Why are you wanting to lead or why are you wanting to do this or that? Um, how you do projects in your work, you know, even if you're at sports or school, like I want to do the best. It's like, why what's your, not that you shouldn't, but why are you, why do you have that motivation and what's, what's really the underlying motivation? And so, yeah, my advice would be 
the lesson I'm learning and I'm still learning all these years later is serve the Lord, Lord, first and foremost. And if you do that, you won't care as much about what people think. You'll be free from that. You won't feel like you have to be in control because you'll be trusting God with the outcome. And in that, that is where true freedom and joy in this life are found. Mm, I, I love that. That's so relatable. And I feel like you can have two people who are li- living like the exact same life from the outside, but yeah but they're in like your motivation. Like I know a lot of, like I've talked freely in my other episodes, you know, about my past like eating disorder and anxiety Mm -hmm. and other things that I've had. And from the outside, people thought I was living the, you know, the healthiest, most fit life. And it's like, but that wasn't where my heart was. Like the reason why Mm -hmm. I was doing it and my motivation and my intention was so different. And while now I'm living a life that looks very similar to um, on the outside to where I was a couple years ago, my intention and my motivation for why I do the things that I do mm. is so different. And it's like, it just makes me so much happier. And I think, you know, it has to do with, you know, they say it's not the people who are living a horrible life who are depressed or anxious. It's, you know, the, the struggles that they're having on the um, internet, like they can have all this, like you see celebrities all the mm-hmm. time, like they have everything, they have all the money all you know the fame but it's what they're struggling with internally and I think that's why we need to put that first like our relationship with God our motivation Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. why we're doing everything like you said whether we're volunteering small group all this stuff like but what's our motivation yeah yeah and then as we as God continues to show us our true motivation we say, okay, God, please change my heart. Help me to have that humility of Christ, that genuine love for others. That was something uh, my husband and I now lead a small group in our church. And I started noticing every week as people showed up, we were having small group. I started noticing that my heart, I was just kind of going through the motions and I was even almost kind of like, okay, like this is oh, like, I don't feel like small group tonight. I got to clean my house and get the snacks and all the things. And I started noticing that I was just kind of going through the motions of appearing to love others. But in my heart, I wasn't genuinely loving them in my heart. I wasn't genuinely welcoming them into my home. And I even confessed this to my small group weeks later. I was like, guys, God has really convicted me of this. And I want to genuinely love you. I don't want to just go through the motions of doing this Christian thing and not genuinely doing it to love you and to glorify God. And so I'm asking God to change my heart in that. And so I think as God reveals the true motivations of our heart, we bring those before him in humility and say, God, I need you so desperately change my heart. Help me to become more like you. I love how transparent you are about that. I think more people in the church need to be like that to show that, Mm. you know, we struggle and we sin and where it's not always perfect. And that's probably a big reason why a lot of people in the church feel the need to be perfect is because they see others living this perfect life. And Mm. I think just being our authentic, transparent, vulnerable selves will you know, create a safe space for other people to know that it's okay not to be perfect, but it's all about our heart and the next step that we take. If we do something that's not for the Lord. Yes. Amen. And I love that you have this podcast and that you're being transparent and open and sharing your story and your journey and how God, what he's teaching you and how you're growing. Um, that's a huge step. And as you do that, as I do that, as we strive to just in our personal lives and on podcasts and social media. Yeah. What a good thought that was, we do that. We can encourage others to do the same. I love that. Thank you for those kind words. And thank you so much for, for being on my podcast. So where can our listeners connect with you? 
who I would love to connect with all the girls. Um, they can connect with me uh, mainly through girl defined. I don't have a lot of personal social media. So girl defined on Instagram is just at girl defined. And then we're on, you know, YouTube or YouTube channel. Our podcast is called the girl defined show. And then our website is like our hub for everything where we have our shop and info about our upcoming conference. We have a fabulous summer conference that every woman and girl needs to come to. It's like my favorite thing out of the year. And it's July 30th and 31st, 2021. And that info is all on our website at girldefined.com as well as tons of free resources on our website. So free downloadables, tons of blogs, hundreds and hundreds of blog posts. I know blogs who's writing those anymore. I know you are way to go. <laughs> we have quite a big archive. Um, but yeah, just info about everything, lots of great resources. So girldefined.com is a great place to connect. Awesome. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes so everyone can click and follow and be a part of yours and Bethany's journey as well. And to check out your guys' podcast because one of my favorite podcasts is awesome. Girl, you're so sweet. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It was truly a pleasure to chat with you. And I know it will be encouraging to those who listen. Wow. What an amazing episode. I absolutely love talking to Kristen. She is just so kind and sweet and her and her sister Bethany are just doing such amazing things. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thank you all for listening. If you love this podcast, please don't forget to leave me a five-star review and to tell your friends about it. I hope you have an amazing week and I will see you in the next episode. (laughs) 